Good morning. Yeah, there is something special going on today. Oh, so there's a ball game. It's also my wife's birthday, so that's more important to me. Sounds like y'all been practicing that or something. I tell you. Well, you know, I want to share a couple of things, and this is me, okay? I'm just going to share my own personal ideas and opinions and feelings about something. And normally, normally we have a big old, you know, astroturf up here lined off like a football field, and we have goalposts. I don't know if you've been around, but last four or five years, we've had that, and I've taught how to receive from God. I've, I've used biblical principles and connected it to the ball game. This past year with uh, the NFL and all these guys uh, deciding to take a knee and ignore the national anthem and the flag, and they've had derogatory statements on their socks and off about you know, our, our law enforcement and our military and all, I just couldn't quite get into it the same as I normally do. So uh, what I decided to do is that I wanted us, if we could, and uh, just to do the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. You know, we got a flag up here, and since my wife is wearing a flag, I'm going to have her come up here with me, okay? All right. So we can stand together. You may salute, put your hand over your heart, whatever you'd like to do here. And I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, all right. Thank you. And uh, y'all can remind me, so I remember at the end of the service, we will sing the national anthem as well, okay? But uh, uh, let me just tell you my feelings, okay? There are so many men and women who are part of our church and actually part of my family as well who are involved with law enforcement as well as many branches of the military. You know, our son's a Marine, but many of you have served and all, and you are, and they are, the men and women, you are the heroes. You know that. They genuinely are heroes who put their life on the line. Now, I enjoy football. I've been learning how to enjoy it over the last five years, okay? And it's been cool. It's been fun. Football is entertainment. It is, you know? And they're paid millions of bucks to entertain us, right? So when they start showing great disrespect, for the true heroes, and all they are is entertainers, I had a little issue with that. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I would challenge us all to pray for our, our law enforcers, our heroes who are on the line every day, and our military who are on the, putting their life on the line every day. They are our heroes, and I show great respect to them. And I uh, don't mind other folks knowing that I don't like Entertainers, I mean, they're trying to be a comedian or trying to be one of those light, late night off-colored comedians or something, but I don't really like the way that they've been treating our true heroes when they're just entertainers. Is that okay with you guys understand that? That's my heart. So I would like to continue along the line. We started talking a little bit about last week, and that was, solitude and I'll give you just a wee bit of a review here and it tells us in Psalms uh, 46 verse 10 it says be still and know that I am God be still and, and, and let me just word it in a way that maybe you'll, you'll grasp it even better saying be still and you will know that I am God if we can slow down and be still for a while, 
hang out with God, he will reveal himself and his power to us in absolutely awesome, fantastic, amazing ways. You remember uh, last week when I had a little jar of water up here? Put dirt in the bottom, poured some uh, water in on the dirt, shook it up, and we had mud, you know, and we were talking about, you know, carrying that little jar around with us, and it's always being shaken up, but it's kind of representative of our life. And oftentimes we find it very difficult. We don't see things so clearly. Well, about my career, my job, my school, about marriage, about everything, things are not as clear as we would like them to be, but if you'll allow that jar to be still for a period of time, there will be clarity. You know what I'm saying? The muddy water will settle if it's still, and you can see through it a lot better. Same thing with our life. If we make time to be still, to have a little solitude with God on a daily basis, it'll be amazing. It's like, man, I, it's, things have been so cloudy and fuzzy and muddy, but, but things is becoming a little clearer now because we're being still and things are settling and all. That's one of the great benefits of hanging out with God. Now, I really like the way it says it in the Message Bible. And it says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. Step out of the traffic, the rat race. Pull over at a beautiful rest area. You know, let the traffic just do its own thing. But step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me. So says God. You're a high God. You know, above politics, above entertainers, above all the other things, above everything he says here. Um, I found it interesting, one of the guys who was... Uh, on the uh, little video clip here. Um, let's see, what was his name? Carson uh, Wentz. And, uh, you know, th there are a lot of uh, players who are on this particular team is the reason I showed it. Now, I, and, and I didn't really even understand they're going to be part of the Super Bowl. I think they are part of the Super Bowl, but it shows you how much I know about all that. But the thing where, where it was is that there are devout, many devout believers, unapologetic Christians on the team. Now, there are some heroes on that team because they're unashamed to speak about Christ. And there was a, a woman by the name of Susan, 72 years old. She was in the, the fourth stage of cancer, and she wrote Carl a letter and communicated that she has never, ever been interested in football until now. When she heard him share his faith. He's a hero. He's allowing young people to see him as a role model, and he's sharing his faith. And he sent her a letter once he found out she was struggling with cancer. Sent her a letter and a bunch of scriptures and all, you know, and, and not too terribly long after that, she went on to be with the Lord and all. But he personally got involved with her. And he often would wear this little uh, rubber gray wristband. He was a, a part of this organization that calls Make-A-Wish. And it was a, a young boy who was very sick with cancer. And he helped that little boy's dream come true. And he's involved in that. And the little boy gave him that little wristband to wear at just a few days before he went to home to be with the Lord. And he goes to, uh, and the, their team, they go to Haiti, they get involved with people. As they were bringing out there, they have a Monday night Bible study. You know, for couples on Thursday night, they have a Bible study just for the players. On Saturday night, they have a prayer meeting the night before the game. On Sunday, they have chapel services, the mission trips. They baptize people there at their training field and in swimming pools at the motels before the game. They're baptizing people who've made a profession of faith. And uh, it was just amazing. There are some heroes in the entertainment business, you know, and they, they make a difference. But we saw the word solitude kept popping up there. 
with these guys. And there was one thing that Car Carson, I believe, I believe it was a CNN, did an article upon him to talk about his significant other, you know, his love life. And he is passionately in love. And uh, so it, is, it was a pretty good article. As a matter of fact, then they talked about in this article that he was absolutely, definitely in love. Most important person in his life was Jesus Christ. Unashamed. He, 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 it was obvious that he loved Jesus and was unashamed to speak about him. There's a hero there, you know, in all of us. You know, we love Christ that way. But it made me think about this verse we just read. It says, Psalms 46, 10, in the message, it says, Step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me, your high God. And I, that's what solitude is, is stepping out of the traffic and taking a long, loving look at God. You know, and, and we can get mission drift. We can get so busy we don't think about that sometimes you know <coughs> but remember what it says be still and know that I am God looking with me if you would to uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 it says yes everything else is worthless which means insignificant you know it's, it's useless it's it's empty, it's hollow. He says, yes, everything else is worthless. It's like if you're at sea and you're on a ship and, and, and you're throwing all the goods off of the ship, you know, a sinking ship, you abandon all that stuff. That stuff don't mean nothing, you know. In the Bible, they did the same thing. When the ship was getting ready to go down, they threw all, it didn't matter how valuable all the goods on the ship was, they threw it overboard. It was worthless because it was taking them to the bottom. And that's kind of what he's telling us here. Yes, everything else is worthless. Lighten the sinking ship when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. And we just got through reading. Be still and know that I am God. Know that I am God. If you slow down, you'll know that. And here it says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And listen to what he says in verse 10. I want to know Christ. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And that we'll be still and we'll make time to be still and have time just to hang out with God. And when I hang out with God, I might pray and I might sing, you know, for a little while. And I might just be totally quiet. Might not say a thing. But you'll know him. He'll make himself known and real to you. Let me read how the Amplified Bible. Amplified in verse 10, it says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. So you got to be still to see things clear. And that I may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. And a man or a woman, we see it throughout the Bible, who will make time to be still before God, you will access that resurrection power in your own life. And I venture to say we all need the power of God in our life to live this life and, and, and to be successful in what God's called us to do. And we think, well, I'm just too busy. No, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. And that's just the bottom line because you're missing out the power and God's miraculous power that wants to work in your life. Anyhow, um, I go up on my mountain every night, every, every night. After church last night, I was up on my mountain for hours. Rain, snow, sleet, or hail don't make no difference. 
and I'm praying for you guys. Just know that. Every night I'm up there and I don't know when it was, uh, about three days ago. Now, I don't hear voices and things like that. When God speaks to me, he kind of speaks to my heart. He brings something to my attention. Only once in my life ever have I felt like it was something more profound. But it don't matter how he speaks, whether he texts it, you know, or speaks out loud. You know, however God wants to get my attention. But I was up on the mountain, you know, a very cold night, and I was leaning up against a tree, you know, up on this incline. It was like this where I was at. And I was just praying. And God did speak to my heart. And he, this is what he spoke to me. It's profound. I've been thinking about it ever since then. And he said, I am closer to you than you know. That was it. And I did this. I went like. <laughs> I didn't see anything, but I'm sure we rubbed noses. And I became very conscious that I was not alone. I'm just being honest with you. When I go up on my mountain, I am ready and I am prepared for lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. I really am. And I don't mind them coming around. But I just all of a sudden felt that I didn't have to be alert about any of that because God's there with me. But, you know, sometimes we pray, we think about, you know, God, and we give him a little bit of time and we picture him up there in heaven and he's listening and, but he's busy running the universe and everything and telling angels what to do and hanging out with all of our loved ones who've gone on before him but I became keenly aware keenly aware when God spoke to me he says he said I'm closer than you know and, and, and I believe that is true for every one of us there's times when you might feel alone but God is so much closer then you know he is. And we hear the heart of these disciples saying, oh, that I might know him more progressively and, and know the power of his resurrection. That is available to any man, woman, boy and girl who just hangs out with God. Because God's there and then he's right there and we're talking to him and spending time with him and then we just go, okay, amen, and then we just walk off, you know. Now, I want you to know, so I don't care where you walk. He's there with you. He says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you because he's desperately in love with you. That's just the truth of it. Let me uh, share a passage here with you. Uh, <clears throat> have you had any difficulties of any kind in the last year? Sometimes when we have difficulties, you know, we think that God's upset with us. I know when I have a difficulty... I confess all kinds of sins that I never even committed, you know, just to make sure. Okay? But listen to what it says in Romans 8.35. It says, does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? In verse 37 it says, No. That doesn't mean that he don't love us when you have trouble. It don't mean that. No, despite all these things, trouble, calamity, persecution, being hungry, destitute, in danger, or threatened with death, despite all these things, overwhelming, what's that next word? Victory. This is God's word. Despite the troubles that you have and you've been through, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Even in difficult times, we go through difficult times because we live in a fallen world. But just because you're going through difficulty don't mean that God don't love you. He loves you, and you hang on, and you be patient, and you will tap into his resurrection power that changes all those things. And he said, even in those difficulties, overwhelming victory is ours. For those of us who are in relationship with Jesus Christ who loves us. Now, let me just remind you of what solitude is and what it is not. And I cannot tell you these definitions, and, and so I'm just condensing into a little small package. We talked about all this last week. But loneliness is inner emptiness. Loneliness is defeat. 
It's being unaware of God's presence. You feel all alone. It's painful. And everything seems muddy and unclear when you're just lonely. And we, we feel that all alone. Solitude is an inner fulfillment. Solitude, looking at it, looks the same on the outside, but solitude is this inner fulfillment. Solitude is victory, overwhelming victory. Solitude brings transformation and change. It's being keenly aware of the almighty God. Did you hear that? The Bible talks about he is almighty, not half mighty, not three-quarter mighty, not even 90% mighty. God, who is head over heels in love with you, is the almighty. There ain't nothing he can't do. But solitude is being keenly aware of the almighty God being with you. Solitude, you know, brings about spiritual growth, growing deeper in him. Solitude is glorious, genuinely is, and you're never, ever, ever alone. Solitude always brings clarity, like sitting that jar of muddy water down and letting it set for a day. Solitude, and I don't care if it's only five minutes, or an hour, solitude brings clarity, and you'll make better decisions, the right decisions with solitude. So, end of our little review here. Psalms 131, verse 2, it says, but I have stilled and quieted myself. Ain't nobody else can do it for you. You got to steal yourself. Well, I just don't have time, Pastor. Nobody has enough time. I don't have time. I can tell you one thing for sure. I don't have time. I get up early and say, I don't have time. Well, guess what? What do you make time for? Whatever is important to you. And you'll make time for God because he will save you untold heartache and hardship and finances and, and, and all if we'll get the inside scoop from him. Well, I was reading this article, and I wanted to share it with you. It says, when I was a teenager, our family took cross-country car trips each summer and to keep the fees we each took a turn choosing a cassette tape y'all remember what those was like you know I didn't say an eight track I remember those too but so we took turns choosing a cassette to play in the car tape deck no one was allowed to complain or comment about another's choice my mother liked to listen to hymns I chose contemporary Christian music. My younger brother preferred rock. And dad, he always thought the best thing was a 90-minute tape that was still blank. Everybody get yourself one of those tapes, you know. You can get 120-minute tapes too. I don't know if you knew that or not. But to be still, and you will know that he is God. And you can know him in the power of his resurrection, and you can access the resurrection power of Almighty God. He wants to share that with you. Read that New Testament. Read the Old Testament. God wants to share that power of his with his children, genuinely. Just a, a couple of things here where we see some of the essentials of Christ, what, what kept him going while he was on this earth. And in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. This was essential to Jesus. Before the busyness and the humdrum of life, you know, started crowding in on him. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. He spent all night praying and he had clarity. He knew who to choose and who would do what 
But Jesus had times of solitude in the morning, in the evening, sometimes all night long. He hung out with his God. And I'm going to tell you something. You will not be deprived. You will advance in every area of your life when you make time for God. If you're too busy, it's just like too busy for someone. You know what? This guy over here can give you the winning lottery number, but you're too busy to talk to him. So you just keep losing your money. Now, I'm not into the lottery, okay? So I'm not advocating that. But what I'm telling you, what God will do in your life is much more valuable than that for you and for your family and for your future. That's just the truth of it. Now, would you say that Jesus is pretty good, uh, an expert on prayer? I think he is. So I just want to share some things that he says about how not to pray, okay? So Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the frogs, is what he's saying here. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they'll ever get is being seen. Prayers aren't going to be answered. They just want to pray so people think they're spiritual. You know, it's a show. It's a, you know, a performance, if you would. And Jesus said, when, and he didn't say if, he said, when you pray, don't be like them, the hypocrites, who love to pray publicly on the street corner and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I'll tell you the truth. This is the truth. That's all the reward they'll ever get. Their prayers won't be answered. Depends on the motivation of your heart, you see. Verse 6 says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. And shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. And then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. You don't know how to pray prayers that get answered? Now, it's okay for community prayer when you get together. Maybe husband and wife, maybe a family, maybe a church. There's seasons of prayer like that. But on an ongoing, regular basis, we need a time of solitude where we are alone with our Father and we pray to Him. Now, when Susan and I were in Bible school, there was a, a pastor, and he would come up and he would teach a chapel session or a class in the school for us. And he was an older gentleman. He was a jolly old feller, and he kind of bounced when he walked and talked and all. But he taught us this song, and it goes like this. Shut in with God in a secret place. There in the Spirit beholding His face. Gaining new power to run in the race. I long to be shut in with God. His name was Pastor Dutton. And when he sang, he glowed. And this is what he would do. Honestly, this is what he goes, Shut in with God. In a secret place. That's the way he sang it. He just glowed and radiated. He had an awesome, fantastic, amazing relationship with God. He's probably with Jesus by now. You know, but he inspired us, and that song has stuck within in my heart, in my mind, about being shut in with God. And that's what the scripture, that's what Jesus said. You know, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. And then your father who sees everything will reward you. And then you pray honestly. If you know someone's listening to you pray, you're conscious of that, aren't you? I'm going to ask one of you to come up here and pray right now. Oh, no, don't ask me. Because you're, well, well, what will they think? What will they say? And, and surely if somebody's listening, you're not going to confess all your sins, are you? If somebody's listening to you, you did what? So we get honest when we're alone with God, and it don't matter, you know. You don't have to go any particular way. You talk to God the way you talk to your best friend. Just pour it out there, improper grammar, you know. Uh, the whole deal, you just get it out there to God, and you talk to him in private, and he promises to reward you. Okay, listen what Jesus has to say here in John 16, verse 23. 
And Jesus says, and in that day, you will ask me what? Nothing. Now, I don't know if you understood this or not, but when you pray, I'm pretty sure you want to get your prayers answered. Why invest time praying if you don't believe God's going to answer you? And Jesus says, when you pray, don't pray to him. You know, this is a Christian church, right? Yes, it is. We believe the Bible. And Jesus said, and in that day, the day that we're living in now, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the, who's it say? The Father. How do he teach his disciples to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven. And Jesus says, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, you understand it. Now, what I was going to do, but we don't have time, I was going to give a couple of people a credit card and ask you to run over to Dunkin' Donuts and get me something. Okay. Now, I can't eat the donuts because I'm allergic to wheat, but you can give me some coffee or anything else they have. If I was to give you the credit cards and you was to run over there, could you buy me something? Absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt. And for those who, I don't know, because you're not the right person, it's like, could you buy me something online? Absolutely, because they don't see you or anything like that and all. So you would actually be going and getting it and not even paying for it. I was like, go get you whatever you want. Are you serious? Anybody want something over there? Two, okay, it's her birthday, so she gets something. But you can take that and get something in my name. And whatever my limits are, you can get something up to that limit. And my limits are small. But God is unlimited. And Jesus says that in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, I don't know if you understood that enough, but Jesus said you don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You don't pray to a saint. You don't even pray to Jesus himself. He says, you take my name and you go to the Father. And you say, Jesus said I could come in his name. And you'll hear lots of believers the way they start. Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. That's the way he got his undivided attention and he has no limitations. So in your times of solitude, when you pray, you talk to the Father when you're asking a petition. That's very important. Anyhow, let me pick back up over here in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. It says, and when you pray, don't babble. Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think, which just means they assume, they assume their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And there are people of other religions, they'll tell you, well, you go say this prayer 150 times. I mean, would that work for you if your kid came in the house and had written out a prayer and says, I would like a sandwich? And, uh, you, know, they, well, you know, once I asked Mama 150 times, I would really like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Would you please make me one? Does your child have to say that 150 times to get your attention? They think they do, but you'll educate them. As they get older, they don't act that way anymore. So, and Jesus is telling us, don't babble on like that. And there are certain religions also that write their prayer on a little, like a pinwheel. And they write their prayer on the little blade of a pinwheel and they put it in a windy place. And they believe every time the wind blows and, and revolves that, they're asking their prayer. They don't have to do it no more. They go home, watch television, and their prayers are being asked hundreds and thousands of times. I am telling you, people genuinely believe that I'm not making this stuff up and he says here don't babble on and on as people of other religions do they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again now let me read this to you verse 5 through 7 in the message Bible listen uh, the illumination that, that is brought forth here it says and when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. 
all these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. And you'll become keenly aware that he's closer than you know. And you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're only performers. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques, which just means marketing, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. 1995, and I'll give you seven different keys that will guarantee your prayers are answered, you know. And it's, it's all a ploy. It's all a marketing. It's a scam. It's a, a scam. We just take what God's word says. And don't do what he says don't do. And do do what he says for us to do. And then he go over, back over here to verse 8. And I'm going back to the new living. Jesus goes on and says, don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. You, you know how it says in the King James, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed, that just means holy. Now, I don't think that we can blaspheme his name all day and come here at the end of the day and say, May your name be holy. If we've been blaspheming it all day, there's something a little bit wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy and may your kingdom come soon. You know we don't have to pray that no more? Did you know the kingdom's already come? I'm not teasing you. Once Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, throughout the New Testament, he tells us it's already come. And the best way to pray, and I pray this way every day of my life, Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus, and I acknowledge that your kingdom has come and that your will is being done on this earth as it's being done in heaven. May your will be done in me and through me, Father. And I surrender and yield my life to him. And I'm telling you, it's the difference of sitting right here, you know, still saying, oh, Lord, may your kingdom come, and just taking a little step over here and walking in the reality that God's kingdom has come and his will is being done. He's got secret agents all over the planet doing what he's called them to do. And you acknowledge his kingdom has come. You acknowledge his will is being done and surrender yourself so his will can be done in you. Jesus taught us to pray this way, to the Father, for the Father's will, for the Father's pleasure to be done, and that the reality of, you know, God's kingdom to be a reality for you. And that's where his will is done, in a mighty kind of a way. We'll talk about that theme another time when we have more time to biblically kind of unpack that to you about his kingdom. But listen to what it says here in Psalms 32, verse 8. It says, the Lord says... I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. So you want to be still and hang out with God because he's going to tell you the best pathway for your life. And you know, I just don't know what to do. I'm just not sure which way. I just don't know. Spend some time with the Almighty. And, and, and let me explain this to you. There are some uh, awesome times I've had just being still before God mowing my grass on a little riding lawnmower I have and even with the earphones on you know just to, to dampen the sound that's coming at you and just the roar of the engine it's just blocking out everything I don't hear Susan calling me or nothing <laughs> but I'm telling you just in that just mowing the grass and I've got some pretty steep hilly kind of uh, terrain there and I've only flipped my riding lawnmower twice okay and I survived it but I'm telling you genuinely just there alone with my thoughts and being quiet before God it's been fantastic and if you want to experience God's power like that I'll go ahead and start signing you up to mow my grass this coming uh, summer 
Now, you can, it'll work for your own grass as well. Few of us can fully appreciate the terrible conspiracy of noise there is about us. Conspiracy. Noise that denies us the silence and the solitude we need for the cultivation of our inner garden. It would not be hard to believe that the arch enemy of God has conspired to surround us at every conceivable point in our lives with the interfering noise of civilization that when left <coughs> unmuffled usually drowns out the voice of God. He who walks with God will tell you plainly, God does not ordinarily shout to make himself heard. As Elijah discovered, God tends to whisper in the garden. And it tells us in the Old Testament that God speaks to us in a still, small voice. And if the TV is always running high, and the phones is always going on, and you're always busy and preoccupied, God is speaking, but we're not hearing. To be still, and just have some silent time before Almighty God, where we can hear Him speak to us. And I'm telling you, it's absolutely astounding when God says, I am closer than you know. And when he says something to you, it's a life changer. It is a life changer. Transforms us. Genuinely does. So speed and noise are not evidence of godliness or strength. It's evidence of weakness, to be honest with you. <clears throat> Mother Teresa once said, we need to find God. And he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grow in silence? See how the stars, the moon, and sun move in silence? And listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes 3. I'm only going to read one verse, but I would challenge you to read the whole chapter, Ecclesiastes 3, when you get home sometime today. <coughs> and it talks about all the seasons that you'll have. And there's provided time and a season for everything you need to do, including solitude. <coughs> But the first verse says, Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says, There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. <clears throat> There's a time for solitude. There's a time for everything you need to do. Now, we misappropriate our time, and we spend eight hours watching television when we should have been doing something else. Well, I don't have time no more, possibly. You know? So we have to learn to appropriate it properly. William Arthur Ward said, Develop and practice the art of solitude, and you will discover the treasure of tranquility and serenity. Aldous Huxley said, The more powerful and original a mind, the more it will incline toward solitude. Philip Keller, tremendous man of God and author, he said, we are peculiar people who somehow feel that the final measure of a person's spirituality is to be gauged by their capacity to go, go, go for God. And on the contrary, our Father calls us to come apart and spend time in solitude with Him. You know, we've got a toolbox here. Yeah, later. Okay. Let me read what the Bible says here in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. It says, And he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. Tell, telling his uh, followers, Come yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while, for there were many comings and going, and, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And see, if we don't make time to come apart with Jesus, we will come apart at the seams. Have you ever experienced yourself just like coming apart, doing things, saying things that you, you thought you would never do? 
and you're coming apart. <laughs> and he says, come yourselves apart into this desert place, a place of solitude with me. Hang out with me and you'll not come all apart. But you will see things clearly and you will access the resurrection power of Almighty God. Listen to what it says here in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says, if you look for me in earnest, and the word earnest means wholeheartedly, if you look for me in earnest, you will find me when you seek me. And you'll be there seeking God, and you'll feel a little something on your shoulder. And Wow. You'll become keenly aware that you are not alone. I'm talking about reality. You'll know that you are not alone. See, solitude is good for the cultivation of our soul. And if you'll remember uh, that Moses, when he was alone out there in this desert wilderness place, the burning bush was revealed to him. And do you remember this little girl, young teenager? She was in a place of solitude, and God's angel showed up to her and said, you will give birth to the Son of God, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel. See, she was in a place of solitude. And this happens as you look throughout the whole Bible. Elisha. Elisha was plowing in a field, and... And he had a bunch of servants. His dad had a bunch of servants. And Elisha was the son of his father. And he was plowing in the field. And Elijah, who had just had the still small voice, speak to him and tell him what to do. Elijah, the prophet, came by and threw his garment over his shoulder there onto Elisha. And Elisha, he knew what that meant. God had called him into areas of ministry. Do you know what Elisha did? Killed his ox on the spot, busted up the plow and used the wood from the plow to cook the ox right there and invited all the servants to come and let's eat this thing. You know what he was saying? God has called me to bigger and better things and I ain't coming back to plowing no more. He said, the ox are dead. We cooked them and we ate them. The plow is gone. And it was because... There again, he was out plowing like me, mowing my lawn. It was just a place of solitude where he could just hear. And sometimes it's a delightful thing when you spend time with God just to be quiet, just to be totally quiet. You say, how can you do that? It's kind of hard because of the world that we're trained to live in. But you can, and God can meddle with us, and he can transform us, and he can change us, you know. Abraham wandered alone in a wilderness, in the solitude, you know? He worshiped God. And Daniel, the Bible tells us that Daniel, who was a very noble man, he, he dined in his own home and worshiped in his own home alone. There was nobody with him. And because of that, they threw him into a, a den of lions. But because he was a man of solitude, they threw him in that den of lions, and what happened the next day when they opened the pit? Hey, king, how you doing up there? You know? And they couldn't believe it because they'd starved them lions before they threw him in. I'm telling you, power. Listen to what it tells us in Daniel <clears throat> 32, 11. It says, the people that do know their God. And what does it say? Be still and know that I am God. And he says here, the people who do know their God shall be strong and do great exploits, heroic acts and deeds. The men and the women, the boys and the girls who know their God, the Bible says, shall be strong and do exploits, heroic actions and deeds. Do you know God? I mean, do you really know him? And you know, it's like, you know what? I don't have to be worried. We are tight. I am never alone. And, and I'm not just saying that. I'm not trying just to be funny. I'm telling you a reality that God is closer to you than you know. 
When you're on your way home, if you're in a car all by yourself, talk to him and say, God, are you really closer than you know, uh, than I know? Talk to him and be honest. Speak English, you know. Don't babble. Just be honest with God. And he'll reveal himself to you. And, and things will become much more clear. Well, our time is getting away. So what I want to do, I want you to listen to the song. And um, then we'll maybe do that other song. What song was I telling you we were going to do? The National Anthem. It's important that we do that from time to time. And I kind of suspect that this flag is going to be a permanent a guest with us in our, our house of prayer here for the, for the future. But I want you to listen to this song, and hopefully the theme of this song gets into your heart and to your head and becomes a reality to you. But let's listen and please sing it if you care to out loud together. Thank you. 
what was the theme of that song? I am not alone. Just be still and know that I am God. And those who know their God shall be strong and do exploit. That's what the Bible says. And throughout there, you'll see the men and the women who understood solitude. They came back and they operated in that resurrection power. The power of Almighty God. Well, our time is up here. So I'd like you just to bow your heads with me, if you would. And I would like you to reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never welcomed Jesus in your life before. Here's the day to do it. On this wonderful, fantastic, super day. Because we know God. And he'll change and transform your life. And give you the assurance and the confidence that your sins are washed away. And that your name is written in the book of life. Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. And that's why you sent your son. I believe that Jesus gave his life for me. And I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, don't go nowhere. we got to sing one more song. Okay? And uh, would you help me to sing it, dear? And do we have that on the uh, thing up there? Yeah, you didn't want to see us sing it last night. I ain't going to tell you about that. But that was funny. But listen, those of you who just now prayed and you welcomed Jesus in your life as Lord and Savior of all, if you would stop at our connections desk on the way out, and they'll give you a little gift bag. It has a Bible in it, some other little goodies that I believe would be an inspiration to you. And all of our guests who are here for the first time, they have another gift for you, just a way for us to say thank you for coming, and we sure hope you come back again. We do. And the altar is open here once we dismiss in a moment. And uh, if you need some prayer, there'll be some men and women of faith who will pray with you. And I want to tell you, the God who we serve, he answers prayer. He genuinely does. So if you need some prayer, take advantage of that. And, and hopefully you would greet one another as you leave. But let's uh, all stand together if we could sing this together here. <clears throat> and we'll wait to hear the music before we start. <laughs> Unlike last night. <laughs> thank God for all of our men and women who are in uh, the law enforcement. Thank God for all those who serve in any branch of the military who lay their lives on the line. And thank God for the men and women who are in any area of entertainment or the men who are in football who are unashamed to 
who show their patriotism and that they're faithful men. Those are heroes. And God bless them all. God bless you. Oh, finally, don't forget, it says if you choose to agree with us, I am determined to get to know God better this week by spending time with him. So if that's you, check it off and drop it in the tithe box. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you, brother.